Well, good morning. Oh, there's a balcony. I didn't remember that. Hi, back there. Cheap seats. I like that. Well, my name is Brent, and I'll be your talker dude for the next the next few the next few nights. Uh, I have also known Matt. I think we both had hair when we first met. Just it, it goes away, doesn't it? Um, I have that little piece of tape came off. If I jiggle this, just you know, get over it. That may be the theme for the whole week. Um, I uh, I come from Nashville, Tennessee. Actually, we do have. Uh, apparently, we did learn a couple of things uh, about our comedian friend and myself. I actually came to his college when he was in college. Because <laughs> I'm old. It's okay. I'm old. Um, I, uh, I travel as a speaker. I also work in the country of Haiti. I've been there about 28 years. Uh, can't go to Haiti right now because of the, uh, the issues of uh, gang, gang the, we've got gangs running Port-au-Prince right now, and we work in the Dominican Republic. So I'll be, I'll be referencing Haiti a lot. It's just what I do. It comes out of my heart. Um, I've learned more in that country. Um, about, about my faith in Christ than I think I ever have from some of the most godly people I've ever met. When you, when you pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, and you mean it, you learn from people. So what I want to talk to you about, my, my brother asked me, he said, Let, let's talk about resurgence. Let's talk about, let's talk about what it means I, I was telling my brother this morning, I was like, that word resurgence, that you, we're talking about this series, the word resurge, I love words. I'm a wordsmith. I just love words. I'm such a geek about words. The word resurge in Latin is the same word as resurrection. It's the exact same word. So what we're praying for this week is a resurrection of our own selves. Amen? It's okay to say amen. I'm from Nashville. Amen? We don't even say amen in Nashville. We say, uh-huh. You know? It's just what we do. Um, but what usually happens on a morning like this is I'm supposed to come here and I'm supposed to talk to you about your responsibility. You know what I'm talking about? What is your responsibility as a Christian? Right? It's like, oh, no. I'm, he's going to step on my... Yes, he's going to talk about evangelism. Yes, I'll go door to door. I'll sure we'll do whatever. My mother could throw guilt like a shoe. I know how to do it. Anybody else? But that's what we do in church. That's what we do about everything to try to motivate people. We always use guilt. We do. You need a Sunday school teacher. You just talked about it. I go to most churches, and this is what I hear. We need Sunday school teachers. And then we call little Johnny down front. And he's, Johnny, what's it like not having a Sunday school teacher? And Johnny goes, all we does is just color all day long. <laughs> Nobody ever talks to us about you. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 52 people sign up to teach Sunday school who hate children, don't know how to teach. Now Johnny cries every single Sunday. You know what I'm talking about? So I, I wanted to look at, I love the words, responsibility. It's another reword. We're going to talk about a lot of rewords this this. I don't use the word rededicate. I like the word repent. There's a lot of rewords we're going to talk about. But the word responsibility comes from two words. The word 
ability and the word respond, right? You know what your, your responsibility is as a, as, a, as a Christian who walks with Christ? You're to cultivate your ability to respond to God and to others. That's it. Cultivate, grow your ability to respond to God and to respond to those around you. That's it. That's your job. That's my job. And so that's what we're going to talk about. I want to give you a different, maybe a different view. <clears throat> I mean, I know what I could do. I could read the scripture, Romans 10, 14, and 15. It says, how then will they call on him who've not believed? And how are they to believe in him who, who they've not heard? And, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I could read that, but I'm not going to. She, she just caught it. I could do all those things. I would rather talk to you about a guy named Todd Allen. Todd Allen was on Daytona Beach. He came there with um, Campus Crusade for Christ years ago. And he came there because he was a freak. He turned his life to Christ, and he joined Campus Crusade for Christ on his campus, and he went to Daytona Beach, and he wanted to talk to people about Christ. But they made them wear suits and ties and dresses on the beach back then. Yeah, I remember being there and going, can you see the Christian in this picture? The woman in the chiffon gown walking down the beach. It's weird. It's just so weird. So he went behind dumpsters and he pulled off his suit and he put on jams. Does that age anybody in the room? Jams, the puka necklace. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. He did that, and he went walking down the beach. He found some guys playing hacky sack. Again, that ages me. And he said, can I kick in? Start kicking in. Fifteen minutes later, he had one guy cornered up against his car. It was a white spitfire. I love that thing. And he started, and suddenly I went, wait, are you one of those Christians? And he said, yeah. I said, where's your tie? He said, I just don't think Jesus would have done that. He'd have kicked in with hacky sack with you. That's what he'd have done. That guy gave me an entirely new view of who Jesus was. Because I had a messed up view of who he was. I really did. Uh, my mother was Church of Christ. My father was Southern Baptist. That was freaky. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was, that was messed up. I'll tell you, it was wonderful. So I became a, 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 a Methodo-Baptocostal <laughs> just to freak them both out. But I did that. I, I saw reality in his eyes. I built my whole ministry on his eyes. Do you know years later I found, I'm talking about 25 years later, I found a box and it had a little telephone number that said Todd Allen. I went, uh-uh. In this little box, I'd throw in this little piece of paper. Because he says, if you ever need me, holler. Because I didn't turn my life that day. Didn't do it. And I called thinking, maybe. And he, <laughs> by that time, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm not going to go into my whole testimony. I have one of those testimonies. Bad B movie. But I had, uh, I had lived a very debaucherous life for years and had turned my life to Christ already. Was on staff at a church. Had written... A couple of books. One was called Experiencing God. Maybe some of you knew a guy named Henry Blackaby. You would have known. Experiencing God, the youth edition of the college. I'd done all these things. I found that note and I called him. 
it was his mother's phone number. And I said, awesome, that's awesome. I said, do you know where he, can, where he is? She said, he's running a little, he and his wife run a little AM radio station, Christian radio station in Wisconsin. And he just called me last week to say, Mom, I think I'm getting out of the ministry because I don't think I've ever done anything for Christ. And I called him and I said, Todd, my name is Brent. And you won't remember me, but on Daytona Beach, you walked down the beach and kicked in and played hacky sack with some guys. And he said, you had a white Spitfire convertible. I said, you remember the car, but not me? He said, you know what? I prayed for you for years. For some reason, you stayed on my head. I said, it worked. And I started going, hey, I did this, and I've done this, and I've worked with Christ, and I have a ministry in Haiti, and I just unloaded, just threw up all over him. And I said, you've done something for Christ because you changed my mind. See, so much of our teaching in our churches today is about behavior modification. Change your mind, change, uh, change your behavior, change your behavior. And nobody's changing behavior, right? You know, that's not the way Jesus taught. Jesus said, they would say, Jesus, what should we do here? And he'd say, two men went walking down the road. You know how annoying that must have been to the people who hung out with Jesus? Jesus, you want something to eat? Six camels and four... Jesus, Taco Bell, that's all I'm asking. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever thought about that? But what he was trying to, he would always say, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. Let me tell you a story. Why? Because he wanted them to change their minds. If we change our minds, our behavior will change. So this week, I, I want you to come back because maybe just we can set our minds on things above for just a little while and get a mindset because of it. Does that make sense? If we set our minds, maybe our behavior will change. There's a guy named Paul. I love him. Can't wait to hang out with him in heaven. Paul had a different view of how to walk as a Christian in the world. And I want to read you this. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, it says this. Paul said, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma to Christ, to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one we're the fragrance of death, to the other the fragrance of life. He said he always leads us in triumphal procession. Well, you know... You got to look at the context of certain things in the Bible to understand what he meant. He always leads us in triumphal procession. Did you know that triumphal procession, a triumph parade or a triumphal procession was a very specific thing? And everybody back then knew what a triumphal procession was. So he was being very relevant to his time. When he said he leads us in triumphal procession, they all knew what we meant. He meant, but, but we don't. What is a triumphal procession? Well. Uh, everybody, do, do you guys have a Christmas parade here? Do you have a Christmas, usually happens right after Thanksgiving, right before Christmas, right? So it has the turkey at the beginning and you know, the other guy at the end. That's the way ours always was in the little town I was from. Now what, we all know what a Christmas parade looks like, right? It, it starts usually with, you know, somebody from the Chamber of Commerce. You know what I'm talking about? In the car, hello. Thank you for voting, you know. Then you get maybe, maybe your state senator or state rep, you know what I'm talking about? Hello, hello. 
you know? Then next is what? The high school band that their band director wouldn't let them wear their whole outfit, so they're just wearing jeans and that top with a hat with a You know what I'm talking about? And then they're going, I hate this. You know what I'm talking you know talk about? How many of you have been there? You were, you were there, you did. You had to go and I they won't wear this, we can't even wear the whole outfit. And then you've got what? You've got the ladies from the flower committee, at the ch- you know, then you've got some churches, then you've then you got the mayor. Then who's at the end? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Santa's creepy Santa's. Now, kids, that's not the real one. It's not the real one. I'm just saying, you know what I'm talking about. The guy in the parade, and he's, and he's got a, you can take that off, that's creepy. But you know what I'm talking about? The guy, and he's throwing hard candy at children from a moving car. But we all have seen it, right? Y'all know. We know what to expect when we go. When this guy said triumphal procession, he knew exactly. He knew exactly what he was talking about, and so did everybody else. I want to show you what a triumphal parade looks like because everything preaches Jesus. Did you know that? The Bible says the earth declares the glory of the Lord. Every system, if you stare at a tree long enough, it'll preach Jesus. I'm not kidding. I'll give you an analogy tonight, I promise. I'm an analogy man. I love it. Because everything preaches Jesus. Our job is easy because I can stand on an anthill and preach Jesus to you. Because everything in the world preaches Jesus. So does the triumph parade. Let me show you what a triumph parade looked like. The first people in the triumphal parade, go ahead. The first people in the triumphal procession were these. Go ahead. The Roman senators, just like today, the most, the, the, the important people. Hello, walking in their togas. Hello, hello. Thank you for voting for me. They're the most important people. Huh. You're going to notice who's the farthest from the hero at the end of the parade in a moment. Now, tribal procession was given by, even, by either the, the Caesar or the king. It was, a, it was given as a gift to a hero of a battle. That was what a triumphal procession was. A, a, this, a, a general would win a battle, and the king or the Caesar would give this triumphal procession in his honor. Roman senators were the first people there. Hello. Thanks for voting. Next. Merchants. The merchants, they sponsored the parade. They went through, even back then, they had little signs. Come to my, you know, camel shop. I don't know, you know, whatever. Whatever they had, but they sponsored. They were the money people who sponsored the parade. Next. The trumpeters. They were the people that that announced the coming of the, king, uh, of, the, of the hero. If you didn't know there was a triumphal parade before that, you knew it then. Because the trumpeters, anybody ever played trumpet in the band? You played trumpet, man? You know, I, I, I deal with a lot of orchestras across the nation. You know, people have died during orchestral, orchestral th- they died during the trumpet solo. I'm just saying. And they're glad to go sometimes. Because I'm... I, you know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's just loud. You are going, this is the preacher for the week? I'm all you get. I'm sorry. I'm all you get. Next, the cart pullers. Who are they? They're these slaves that are pulling these massive carts, and they have on them the spoils of the enemy, what we stole from them. Sometimes it would even be a, a mock-up of whatever 
village or, or tribe or, or area that we now conquer. It would be a mock-up, a map almost, and people would go, oh, wow, we own that. Or it would have the, it would have the jewels and, and the things that we stole from the other, from the enemy, right? After the cart pullers, the animals came from that area, the lions and tigers and bears. It would be whatever animals, to show that we now have the beauty and the strength from that area as well. Have I got that? Next came perfumed servants. They had the censers. Those that, those that go, have been to a Catholic church, that's where that came from. Is they would have censers full of incense. They were the most popular people. Why? Because who were they following? The animals. And there were scoopers after them. They really were. But besides the fact that there would be thousands of people standing in the street and no one took baths like we do today. So the perfume servants would be like, okay, that's my favorite part. <laughs> Smells good suddenly. Then came the heralds. They're the loudmouths. They were the press secretaries to the king. They would be following, yelling, in the fourth year of King Hasasaslap, our hero, Gershwin took the city of... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? You read the Bible. You know those, those, those words. Go ahead. After the heralds came the conquered. That would be the royal families and the servants and many of the most important people from that particular tribe or village or whatever. And they would be bound. That's when the rotten food would come out and the banana people would start pelting them and insulting them and hitting them. And they knew they were like this the whole time. They knew that at the end of the parade, they would be killed. That was, the, that was the final of the triumph. They would all be sacrificed at the end. After them came pot carriers. I don't mean, I, I mean pots. You have to say it today, right? Pot carriers. They, they had these huge clay pots, and they would be very plain. They would be just clay, no ornate things on them. Why? Because in the pots or the big trays, they would have the crowns or the jewels and the awards that the king had given to the coming hero. The, the more plain the pot, the more brilliant the thing within it looks. So they would carry these plain pots, and there'd be a crown and all kinds of gold amulets and things to show what the king had given the hero. Follow me. We're going somewhere. Can you tell? Go ahead. After that came the hero and his soldiers. Everything preaches Jesus. So I want to look at those again. I want to show you what actually happened in a triumphal procession and how it works today for us. Because he said Christ leads us in a triumphal procession. We're supposed to be in a parade on the planet. That's what we are. But we all have a part in the parade. What do I mean? Let me say this to start with. You aren't the hero. <laughs> you and I aren't the hero in the parade. I just want to give you a heads up. At the end, ain't you. We want to be the hero, don't we? Oh, I, when I first turned my life to Christ, I would witness to a shoe. I, I really was. I was one of those guys that was just belligerent. And I would witness, and I, God bless this little guy. I, was on, I went on staff at a church six months after turning my life to Christ. Nobody had discipled me. I was the worst person in the world. I don't know why they did it. And this kid's mom was 
had this chronic wounds and she stayed in the hospital for like six months. So her 13-year-old boy came to stay with me and my roommate. We were the only guys in the church that could take care of him in the summer. It was crazy. And then I had sent him to school. Poor kid. God bless him. I berated him. I beat him over the head with the gospel of Jesus every day of his life. I, I'm, every morning he got up with Apple Jacks and a gospel track. And every night before he went to bed, I would stand at his door and Justin, you know, you could accept Christ tonight. All you have to do is pray. And, and he'd go, not tonight. And I'd go to my room. You know? Next night, same thing. It went on. And a poor guy. I am not exaggerating the story as I am apt to do many stories. But I, the last night he stayed with me. He was going to go back to his father's. His father wasn't a Christian. And I was like, Lord, this is supposed to, I'm supposed to do this. I got the worst creeping crud I have had in, you know, I'm not even going to go there. It was a virus that went everywhere all over my body. That's all I'm going to say. And so I took this, my doctor gave me this medicine called Finnegan. You ever had it? <gasps> I don't recommend drugs, but that's a good one. Because it knocks you out, baby. I was cold. Just Every time I woke up, I'd wake up, though, knowing this was his last night. I was on the couch. I'd wake up. <laughs> He's going to go back. I'd be back out and all night long. Well, Justin went to bed. My roommate, who was a cop, big old, I'll never forget, strawberry blonde, had bright red hair, cop, geek, weird, shy, super shy, never shared his faith with anybody in his life. He walked in and picked his head on the door and said, Justin, it's really good that you were with us this time. I've had a great time with you. Justin said, Thomas, would you lead me to Christ? <laughs> Thomas said, um, do you know how to do it? <laughs> I'm not making this up. He said, what do you think? Brent's crammed it down my throat every night. He said, all right, I'll get next to you here, and you just do it. If you get stuck, I'll help. Boy prayed, prayed a sweet prayer, had turned his life to Christ. So they came to wake me up off the couch. Drool, you know, the whole bed. They said, Brent, Brent, Brent. And I said, what, what? He said, Tell him, tell him. Thomas was a blubbering idiot. He said, I turned my life to Christ. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you're sure if you die tonight, you go to heaven? He said, yeah. I said, I'm going to kill you then. You know, See, I wanted to run the touchdown and do the dance. We all do. We want to be the hero. You're not the hero. I just had to say that to start with. Next. Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. The Roman senators, the most important people are the farthest away from the hero. If you think you're important in the kingdom of God, you've got it all wrong. Did you know that? You know, I, I, I've seen a few, and I, and I love to see memorial stuff in a church occasionally. Just, and I love to see it kind of scattered. You have a memorial 
memorial organ or memorial, things like that. But you know I've been to churches where I've walked up and the microphone cord was in honor of someone. I am not making that up. Had a tag with a rubber band to hang everything in the church honored everyone but Christ. Everything was in honor of everyone. Do you know, I, I went to a church, I guess it was about three years ago, and I sat down in a pew because I was going to speak. I sat about two, sat down, and this couple came and said, excuse us, that is our pew. The pastor heard it. Now, we all have our favorites, but to sit. But to tell a visitor in the church, would you scoot? Because that is our pew. Pastor heard it, walked up afterwards and said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce our speaker, Brent, but I just want to say this. If you own a pew in this church, take it with you when you leave. I had a sweet lady in my church, came to the pastor his very first week and said, I was here when you got here, I'll be here when you leave. This is my church. It's not your church. It's not your church. This is owned by Christ, led by Christ. He's the only hero. Amen? Whew. Now you're going, now you're just stepping on toes. I put sponges on my feet. Now watch. Next. See, we live in the last, the last shall be first. Right? We live in an upside down kingdom. I'm going to get into that later on this, this week. If the last shall be first, what does that mean? That means I let everybody go first here. Because I get first in heaven. That's why at the grocery store, when somebody cuts in front of me, I say, please go ahead. You'll be last in heaven. <laughs> you go right ahead. When they cut you off next week, just go, okay, last shall be first. If they cut you off in traffic, last shall be first. The last shall be first. But that's, that's the way we're supposed to look at things. Next, go ahead. Oh, back up. I'm sorry, brother. I, I said next. And Merchants. You know some of you have the gift of making money? I think there are two types of people in the world, creative people and then people with the gift to make money. They're usually not the same people, amen? Amen. amen. We hang out with, well, they hang out with, with creative people, the, the, the people with the ability to make money, because we make them laugh. We hang out with them for obvious reasons. <laughs> but I say this to say, some of you have the gift to make money. I, I run a nonprofit organization in Haiti. I depend on people that have the ability to make money. A man named Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson is a professional golfer. Those of you guys that follow golf, he won the, he's won the British Open, he's won the Masters. I, I introduced him to his wife when they, were, when they were in a Bible study of mine in Orlando. Zach Johnson supports our ministry in Haiti. He supports it in huge ways. And he says, don't tell anybody, Zach Johnson. <laughs> I'm a herald. <laughs> Zach, pray, I pray over every putt. And he always blows it in the back nine. It kills me. But I pray over every putt. Why? Because he has been given the ability to make money. And you know what I told him? And I say this to you unapologetically because I don't need your money. <laughs> I say that because the Lord provides. And I say that, I, I want to say this to you. you. We are to cultivate our ability to respond, Right? That means that man right there, you better demand of him 
that he becomes better and better at what he does, preaching the gospel of Jesus and preaching the word of God to you. I'm supposed to get better at what I do. I'm supposed to cultivate my ability to do what I do to expand the kingdom of God, right? Well, if I'm supposed to grow my ability to be a better speaker to the world, those of you who had the gift, the spiritual gift to make money, you know what you're supposed to do? Go make as much money as you can, give as much as you can, live as cheaply as you can, and expand the kingdom with your gift. If you demanded of me, I demanded of you. Amen? Some of you are the merchants that are to fund the parade. Then do it. That's your gift to the kingdom. My sweet mother, God bless her, she was in a wheelchair the last several years of her life. And she said, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything. And so I started showing her her check stubs. I started showing her how she had supported a family in Haiti and built a house for them and then put the kid in school and paid for his school and put him in college. And now this young man is moving to the United States to be a professor. And changed generationally his entire family for decades. I said, Mom, you haven't done anything? What are you kidding? You wrote checks. That's, what, that's your job in the kingdom. And the second one is to pray for me, old lady. <laughs> the fervent prayer of an old lady is so much better than a man. Next, the trumpeters. We got musicians in the room. Have you ever noticed in the Bible where the musicians were placed when they went into battle? In the front. The other team had spears. But we, Israel would put the, the musicians in front. We got more. Bring them up. Do you know, you know musicians in the church get shot at more than anybody else? They do. They really, don't they? He's laughing like crazy. Yeah, but it was too loud. I can't hear a thing. I didn't understand the thing he said. That, that song wasn't for me. Well, maybe it's for the person next to you. Ever thought about that? Maybe if you came to church to serve others instead of suck the life out of the pastor and staff, you might get something out of the church. You know why I get to say that? Because I get to leave. See, I get to say everything that pastors want to say, and then I'm out, baby. If you're a musician, can I just say this? Learn your art. Learn your art. Cultivate your ability to, to expand the kingdom. The one thing I hate to see is unprepared musicians on Sunday morning. You wouldn't do that anywhere else. When I see people, and I've done it, I have done it. Hold the music right here because I don't remember the words at all, and I'm doing this. I wouldn't do that anywhere else. But we do it because it's just church. Cultivate your ability. I don't want to look past your bad musicianship to find your Jesus. And there are people who come in to church and they go, oh, this music, oh. just, just rehearse. Give your best to Christ when it comes to your abilities. Next, cart pullers. Who are they? You took back what the enemy stole from you. Some of you in this place have testimonies of what Christ has done in your life. When Satan tried to destroy you, your family, you are a testimony. I have a friend of mine, his name is Lane. Lane was born with a brain this big. This big. 
Everything else is liquid. Lane isn't supposed to be able to see. He was, he was supposed to die in the womb. He is 22 years old. He's never uttered a word in his life. Just grunts. He's supposed to be completely blind. In fact, these things don't connect to his brain. And yet, when I walk in a room, you can put a flashlight in front of him and he follows it with his eyes. He's been written up in the Journal of American Medicine three times because they don't know how he works. He doesn't have the part of his brain that handles his endocrine system, ladies and gentlemen. That's your temperature. That's your hormones. That's all your... It's crazy what he doesn't have, and yet he works. When I walk in a room, I go, Lane. He says, uh-oh. <laughs> That's my name. Uh-oh. Do you know that boy's never uttered a word? But his parents began a ministry in Haiti for special needs kids called My Life Speaks. And hundreds of children, hundreds of children every day are fed and educated in Haiti in a handicapped school because of that child. What have you done? That boy's life is huge. He's a cart puller. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If God has done something in your life, you're a cart puller. Show everybody what you've taken back from the enemy. That's your job. Next, the animals. Some of you are just animals. What does that mean? It's the beauty, the strength. If you've been given beauty, that is a gift from God. Ladies, you heard the testimony of a man of God right here. Why did he go to camp? <laughs> if you've got it, use it, girl. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But if you've been given beauty, I have a friend of mine, he is disgustingly handsome. He makes me angry every time he walks in the room, perfectly symmetrical. If you cut him in half, you couldn't tell the difference. Drives me, I call him symmetrical man. He's perfect, his hair's perfect. He wakes up looking better on me on my, my, my best day. Comes out of bed, I'm so messed up. <laughs> yeah. Do you know he, he's a model in LA. He began an organization called Models for Christ. He said, you know what, I realized a long time ago, I used to be kind of, I used to be conceited about my looks, and then I became kind of ashamed of my looks because I didn't want people to know me for my looks. And he said, I realized if I walk in a room and people are going to look at me, I want them to look through me and see Christ. So I use it. And he does. If you've been given beauty or strength, gentlemen, if you've been given strength in your, in your it, not just strength of body, but strength of character, strength, if you're the strength and beauty of the world, people are going to look at you. You're going to draw attention. Just lead them to Christ. Use what you've been given. That's a gift from God. I didn't get that. I didn't get beauty. I got this. That's all I got. I love to say I'm, the, I'm the, the, the pretty face of the ministry. I'm just the mouth. My dad told me when I was 12, he said, son, one day you're going to speak to thousands. I just know it. But right now you have nothing to say, so shut up. <laughs> we don't say shut up in church, kids. We say hush in the name of Jesus. Right? Next, perfume servants. You know that's all of us? That's all of us. Why? Perfume servants will look forward to. Paul said, I got to get there now. He said, 2 Corinthians 2 4, I said, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. To one, 
with a fragrance of life to the other with a fragrance of death, he says. What does that mean? Tell me this. The perfume servants were walking with the incense. Who was behind them? The hero and his soldiers. What was that scent to them? A reminder of their triumph. A reminder of their triumph. In fact, they'd had so many triumphal parades in Rome that every time that scent would go through the walls of the crowd, people would be reminded of how much we've conquered, right? But who also was behind the conquered? What did that remind them of? Their upcoming death. That same fragrance was the fragrance of death to one. Have you ever mentioned Jesus in an elevator? All you got to do is say his name. You can say Buddha. You can say anybody. But you say Jesus. Some people will be offended and some people will say amen. Why? To the fragrance of some. It's life to those. Why do we sing the same songs? The old hymns. Why do we sing them? It reminds us of our victory. It's the fragrance that we share amongst each other. You have a smell. Did you know that to the world? But some of us just stink as Christians. Make sure that you're spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Make sure that when people see you, you know that scripture I read, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That is the next scripture I'm putting on me as a tattoo. I'm not advocating tattoos. Why? How beautiful are the feet of those. And, and, and by the way, kids, if you're saying, I'm mom, you can tattoo. Um, until you own your body, sweetheart, and you can pay your house payment, your car payment, your insurance, you don't own your body, your parents do. Get over it. Now I've said it. But I'm putting that on my feet. Why? Because do you know what was the colloquialism of the time? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news was a statement far, far beyond before Christianity. It meant this. You can tell by somebody's feet if they're bringing good news, can't you? If somebody's dragging their feet and walks into a room, you know that person, Debbie Downer, walks in every single church service. How are you? Well, you're so happy to see them, aren't you? All the time. Here they come. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know what that scripture really says? It says, keep a bounce in your step. Be the life of the party. When you walk in the room, you don't have to fake it, but you know you're the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. So walk in the room knowing that. So when people see you, man, they go, man, so glad to see them because you're bringing good news. Do you see it? Next. Go ahead. The heralds, the loudmouths. It's who we are. We're the heralds. We stand and give and, and talk about constantly, as loud as I can, the deeds of the hero, Jesus Christ. But not everybody can be heralds. Not everybody can be the leaders that stand in front of everybody. Can I tell you, it drives me crazy. We always talk about be a leader, be a leader, be a leader. A girl applied for college one time, and she, um, oh, I'm very late, aren't I? I'm so sorry, brother. <laughs> I didn't realize what time it was. I'll, I'll hurry. Some of you are going, restaurant's going to close. No, it's not. <laughs> Pot roast is on a timer anyway. Listen, all I want to say is that the heralds, those leaders, need followers too. Girl applied for college, and she, she saw it said, what leadership qualities do you, you ever done a college application? What leadership qualities do you have? 
And she was just honest. She said, I'm really not a leader. I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes person. She wanted to be honest. And then she sent it off and went, I'll never get a scholarship. She got a letter back from the college, <laughs> from the admissions, and it said, we'd like to give you a full scholarship to this university because this year we have found that we have 3,329 leaders we thought we might need a follower. <laughs> Go on. Some of you may be the conquered. We're going to talk about that this week. We're going to talk about that this week. I was the conquered for a long time in my life. I was defeated in my life. I thought the world offered everything. I may give a part of my testimony later this week, but we'll see. Maybe that's you. I'm a testimony of the fact that I was conquered, but then the Lord conquered everything in my life. If that's you, think about that this week. But come back. Go ahead. And some of you are the pot carriers. What does that mean? I've had people so many times say, Brent, I just don't have any special skills for Christ. I'm not a singer. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm just so plain. I'm just so plain. You know, the plainer the pot, the more brilliant the thing within it looks. Some of you, are, <laughs> there's a story, and I'll end with this, and I'm done. Promise. I know you hate me already. You're never coming back. There's, I'll end with a story. There was a, a potter had a had a had a, a pottery shop and. And he made pots every day. And, but every day he needed water. And so he'd go up the mountain every morning. And he had these two pots he kept on a, on, a, on a shelf. One was a pristine, beautiful pot that was glazed and ornate and beautiful. And the other one was a, a pot with cracks and holes all in it. And it was just horrible. And he would pick both of them up and he'd go up the mountain. And he'd get water in the spring and he'd come back down the mountain. And the, the pot that had holes and cracks in it would leak out the water all the way down the mountain. And he'd get down to the bottom. And this one would be empty, and he'd set it back up, and he'd use the other one all day. Went up the next day, same thing, just water poured out all the way down. So finally, the, the pot with the cracks and holes in it spoke up. I knew, really? Yes, it did. Get over it. The pot spoke up and said, Potter, what are you doing? The pot said, my pot's speaking. Oh, no. He said, every morning you'd go up with this pristine, beautiful little pot, and you get... You get the water and every time come down, I'm empty. You use him all day. Why don't you just break me? You've made me wrong and throw me back and make me again. And he said, I would never do that with you. You're my favorite pot. He said, what are you talking about? I'm broken. I'm cracked. I have holes all in me. Why am I your favorite pot? He said, you're so dumb. He said, every morning, you're right. I go up. I fill him up. I come down and you leak out all the way down. Have you noticed the flowers along the path? You know, I bet you there's a lot of crackpots in this room. I bet you there are. A lot of people who feel like they're just broken. You said, God, just make me again. You did it wrong. Nah. The very thing that you think is there to destroy you is the thing God wants to use. Through the wounds of your life is where he pours his power. We're going to get there this week, I promise. Come back. Come back. And, and, and I know it sounds cheesy, but join the parade. <laughs> join the parade this week. And maybe we'll change our minds about what Christianity is about. Let me pray. Father, thanks for the day. Thank you for, for these analogies that just spring up out of the ground everywhere. 
Lord, teach us this week. Bring people here that need to hear the words of encouragement and love and, and your grace and everything that you offer. And we will serve you till you return. Split the sky soon, Father. We grow weary of this place, but until that time, we are servants. In Jesus' name, amen.